Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out!
What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 222 of the Bone Bad Show. This is Steve. This is Gord. You know, 222 is one-third of 666. <laughs> I think it is. It's one-third It's one-third of the devilish? east. It's the, yeah, yeah, the number of the beat. We're kind of demonic, semi-diabolical, if you will. It is a human number, or a third of a human number. <laughs> Interesting that you went there. Yeah, well, well, didn't even think about that till just now. Yeah. Well, you know, that uh, must auspice well, then, for kicking off the Kickstarter for the 13th. Did you just at- bust out auspice? I did. Comedy of oh. Horrors Film Festival. Blah, ha, ha, and ha. And ha. Yes. So uh, by the time you listen to this, the Kickstarter will be live for the 13th Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, which will take place if we fund on April 13th, 2024 at Sif Cinema Egyptian in Seattle. Same place we had it last year. Same awesome location. That's right. We've hired an artist. We're not going to announce that yet. We may have a musical. You just announced guest. it. You just announced that we hired an artist. But I didn't say who. Giving it away. Oh, same okay. with the musical guest. We have a pretty good idea who our musical guest is going to be, but we're going to keep that in our back pocket until <clears> a little <throat> bit further in the campaign. Now, we've got one. I'm not month. saying that it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm literally. I'm not saying that. It's Why Taylor is everybody Swift. talking about Taylor Swift? Right? I don't know. It was the first super. Okay, I take it back. I'm not saying that it's Beyonce, but. <laughs> not Beyonce either. It's so weird. The only time that artists like that are ever brought up on the show is by you. That's, that's the okay, strangest well. thing. That you have your finger on the uh, pulse of Pop America. Anyway, I don't the know Kickstarter about that. now live. So go, you can pledge uh, right now to get the lowest price tickets for next year's film festival. In addition, you can also get t-shirts and hoodies, the enormous package, the swag bag, from, what do you call it, Cinematic Nirvana, which includes a ticket, a t-shirt, uh, various swag, a poster of the festival. It's one of the best deals in film festivals currently running. And I'm not saying that Cinematic Nirvana is playing at our film festival. You're not saying that either? No. Uh, we also have sponsorship opportunities if you would like to celebrate your business via our film festival uh, that's potentially something we can do as well so lots of opportunity for you to get in on the ground floor of what promises to be our most 13th film festival ever it'll be the 13th yes it will definitely be one of the film festivals of next year if we find have i mentioned shorts from around the world gore shorts from around the world i don't think you've mentioned it no where are these films comedy features i mean the These things are already coming in. That's right. I am already starting to see short films offered up from this spinning globe of ours, and there is some great stuff. We're seeing films by directors I've never even heard of. We're seeing films by directors I know and love, and everything in between. Directors I've you know had a loose association with. We bumped elbows once at a <laughs> fancy party in a fancy place because I'm fancy. Of course, we can't make it happen without your support. So we are hoping that you will join us on April 13th, 2024 by pledging for a ticket or some swag. And uh, we'll together make this thing happen. And uh, speaking of great, 
Gordon just mentioned that word, and that's what I think of when I hear our musical guest tonight. Great. From Fresno, California. Haunt. Probably the best thing in Fresno. Truly. <laughs> we opened the show with Hit and Run by Haunt, taken from Golden Arm, uh, 2023 on Church Recordings. He, he's cool. got his own record label, man. How cool what is that? What else are you going to do in Fresno? I mean, I'm there's that, you, and you can farm rice. Super prolific, one of the hardest working dudes in hard rock right now. I mean, he's got Haunt, which has a couple new albums out a year. He's also got another band called Beastmaker, which is just as prolific. Right on. Super impressed by all the great music that uh, this guy puts out. So, I'm super excited to have an opportunity to chat with the founder of that band, uh, Trevor William Church, in a little bit as the show continues. Uh, but first, Gord, what Steve, pisses you off, man? Let me tell you. Steve, this is what pisses me off. As you know, and as anyone within earshot of me knows... I got some stitches in my mouth. I had a mouth thing. They cut me open. They dug some stuff out of my head. They sewed me back up. But that's not what pisses me off. No. After that, I promptly got some infection in my head. So I've been doing a really conscientious job of keeping my head hole clean. I, I brush well. I mouthwash the heck out of my mouth. I'm taking good care of my oral situation because let me tell you having an infection in your freaking head is a uh, dangerous b really uncomfortable you end up looking like a cartoon character with a toothache just a big old burp sticking out of that side of my head so i was doing my extra conscientious toothbrushing before i went to bed i finish and i realize i've got a toothbrush bristle stuck between my teeth oh jeez i've never had yeah. that happen I've had that happen once in my life where where a toothbrush sort of came apart. It was one of those, one of those like uh, real cheap, you get it at the hotel because you forgot your toothbrush, toothbrushes. And uh, yeah, the the whole bristle thing came apart and I had bristle. It was gross. Don't do that. Anyway, so I'm looking at this based on that past memory. I'm like, doingy, doingy, doingy. What is that? I got a toothbrush bristle right between my teeth. That's, I don't want to sleep with that. So I grabbed it. I got a good tight hold on it between my fingers and a fingernail and i gave it a yank to pull it up between my teeth zoink turns out it was the end of my stitches oh shit yeah do <laughs> like do like a, a, a the fucking zipper line on a bag of briquettes just <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah basically if, if, in my mind it was more of like starting a tiny bloody lawnmower inside my mouth oh jeez. yeah yeah so no, uh, my toothbrush was blameless. I'm an idiot, and it pisses me off. That is terrifying. Isn't that terrifying? I thought that's good. If we're going to talk about horror comedy, right there. That's the worst I, thing I've heard all day. Holy shit. Horror comedy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Imagine my reaction. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, God, I've just unzipped my face. Wow. Yeah, so. Ah. How about you, Steve? What's, uh, you what's know, pissing you know what off? pisses me off, Gord? I go to a lot of shows, and I, uh, as you know, I've been a metalhead for a long time. Last mm-hmm. week, I went to three kind of heavy music shows, three shows in four days. On Sunday night, went out and saw Oxbow from San Francisco, noise rock outfit, very intense emotional experience. Uh, Monday night, uh, my daughter wanted to see Kiss on their final tour, so we went out and saw some old school hard rock. 
And then on uh, Wednesday night, went out and saw the Hives from Sweden with their hard-driving rock and roll. And so there was Love a, the Hives. Yeah, they're a big fan of that band. They're so much fun. Seeing them live in an intimate club is freaking nuts. It was off the hook. But I was kind of reminded about how fucking annoyed I am by stage divers. <laughs> and, you know, stage diving for me, I, I get the whole thing. I've been to a lot of metal shows. I'm, I'm familiar and with the mosh shows. pit. I'm familiar with slam dancing. I'm familiar with, with stage diving. And stage diving is fine. Everybody should have one stage dive. Get up there, jump off, and move along. But you got these people who go like it's a fucking slide at the park. <laughs> where they run, they jump, and then they run back around, they jump again, and they do it like over and over and over again. And at some point, it dawns on me, I didn't pay 20 bucks to fucking be a extra in your show. I'm here to watch a fucking band play, to groove on the music and the scene as a whole. I'm not really here to be a prop to hold you the fuck up for two hours while you have a good time. He's all, watch me, mommy. Watch me, mommy. And, you know, I've been kicked in the head a few times. And, again, yeah. you know, everybody should stage dive once. I never had because I'm kind of a big guy. And I'm afraid everybody would move out of the way and I would just eat shit. But, yeah, they would. Yeah. Fucking stage divers, you know, do it once and then knock it the fuck off. Give other people a chance. Relax. Enjoy the music. That's what you're here for. That's what You didn't just launch yourself upwards doing one of those finishing moves punches from a video game how'd you get boosh no but it's super oh. fucking annoying I mean, i'm yeah. telling you because you know i'm looking at some guy's ass instead of watching the music that's on the stage that i paid money for that's not the ass you paid to watch no that is not i wanted to watch high-end swedish ass let me tell you <laughs> not low-end <laughs> stage diver ass <laughs> that's right anyway but great concert had some killer mexican food before delightful evening Beautiful date night. My wife joined me. It was awesome, except for too much fucking stage diving. Take a break. All right. Noted. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, why don't we listen to another tune? Let's do it. So one of my favorites off of the brand new album from Haunt, which came out, I think, in May 2023, Golden Arm. This song is the anthemic Fight the Good Fight.
right. Once again, that was Fight the Good Fight from Golden Arm, the most recent release from Haunt on Church Recordings 2023. And joining me now on the show is the main man himself, Trevor William Church. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show. I, so I, I found out yeah. about Haunt. It was funny. I was trying to fill out... 10 CDs from Hell's Headbangers to do their like 10 CD uh-huh. deal and I needed like yeah. four more and I started listening like uh-huh. some different stuff on Bandcamp and like started listening to Luminous Eyes your first EP I'm like you know this shit's yeah. pretty cool it has a great vibe to it so I picked up like four of your CDs then and I've been hooked ever since man so thank you very much for joining awesome. us on the show oh you bet man thank you absolutely so I've been noticing since I sort of discovered your stuff how incredibly prolific you are. Uh, you've had, I think, yeah. two albums out in 2022. You had an album out earlier this year that we've been tapping for a couple of the songs early in the show. And then uh, you've got another album forthcoming in about a month, correct? How do you stay so uh, Mar- prolific? Mar- oh, March. March, okay. 2024. I mean, it might as well be a month at this point. I mean, it's been finished. <laughs> The weird thing about it is, like, I've actually been finished with the record for, like, eight months. It's oh. been done, mixed, and mastered, and just kind of just sitting. Oh, wow. As I patiently try to <laughs> spread it out a little bit, you know, because obviously it's, like, being prolific, there's positives, meaning I'm very inspired musically and I love doing what I do. Mm-hmm. And then there's the music business side where it's, like, A... Uh, being DIY, it's very costly to be putting out records. And we do full physical manufacturers. You know, we do vinyl and CD and tape. It's, uh, for the last three years, we, I've been doing a collaboration with Jarvis Weatherby from Night Demon yeah. on his label Iron Grip. Um, so when you pick up Haunt Records, like past 20 21 or something like that. Um, I'm holding Triumph, the, the vinyl for Triumph right now that as one, we speak. Yeah. That one would not, that one would be not, um, okay, this is a church recording. Uh, iron Grip. Okay. But, but what's funny about that is that's going away. That was a COVID project for myself and I'm just <laughs> like, I do not love that one. It was like, I tried to put synth to my earlier songs and oh, uh, tune okay. differently. So it was kind of an experiment at the time. And also just again, I mean, fuck, dude, let's, let's face it. COVID was like so boring. Other than, <laughs> if I wasn't, if I hadn't, if I hadn't become a dad in 2019, fucking pandemic would have killed me. Yeah. Because it just was so boring and I'm just not that guy. I sure. have to be, I have to cut my teeth, man. I got to be <laughs> doing shit. I got to be, I can't just sit. Well, so I know the, the things that I love to, to do most are going to see live music and going to the movies, and both of those things I couldn't yeah. do for like two years. Yeah, it totally it totally makes it really difficult to 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 get through. And like so during that time, I think you know it was kind of random because <clears throat> Mind Freeze, my third record that was on Shadow Kingdom, the third Haunt record, and possibly mm-hmm. the most popular Haunt record. It's really good. Um, I gotta admit. Yeah, I like that one. It's one of those times where I was really trying to make a statement. It came out in like January 2020, even though, again, it was recorded probably and done in like February of 2019. Almost like 
almost, almost before Icarus came out, I was already pretty much done writing and doing a lot of the stuff at the time. But, you know, come, come COVID, I did, you know, like it just so happened that Mind Freeze came out and then like three or four months later, I had flashback. Right, sure. And, you know, like some people go, you put out like two records a year. In my mind, I was like, well, actually, an entire year passed. <laughs> sure. You know, okay. like, you don't understand, you know, like I've been fucking working on this record now, writing it for, you know, this long. And then I did the uh, Triumph thing just for a fun little project. But like, hold on to that vinyl because like, that's that's it. Right on. We'll they they're they, they going to be no. They're almost <laughs> no norm. I think there's like five or six copies left on vinyl. Wow. And um, that's pretty much going to be the the end. And the fact that I sold as many as I did, considering it's just two EPs put together with me, just like, in my mind, <laughs> and now in hindsight, I wish I would have never done it because I don't like it because mm-hmm. I tuned it differently and and moving forward in this synth world that I did, I've been actually like slowly moving away from it because mm-hmm. we've had a really time replicating it live. I've never been able to find a keyboard player. I did look for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then realized like this ain't happening. I'm never going to find anybody. But being the prolific writer has, you know, a lot of people say that about me. And I think the, the thing that just really makes Haunt entirely different is it's really technically a solo project. Mm-hmm. And I play instruments and, you know, other than like some solos and sometimes I have bass players on it. Um, so do you play drums as well? But, or yeah, is drums something that I you do. do farm out? Okay. Drums, I do everything, man. Right on. Like I'm a renaissance man on the, <laughs> on the, on the things and it might it might not be for the best sometimes to be honest with you like i just do what i can within my talent mm-hmm. and and just allow that to be you know like yeah. you know there's probably a hella sicker fucking drummer that could do a million times better but the problem is man is like you, like we were, we're talking about being prolific right now and Right now, I'm already, like, my next record hasn't even come out. I've already got the next one done, and I'm working on the next one, and that one's almost done. <laughs> wow. So, it's like, you know, and it's tough because, like, again, it comes down, a lot of things come down to how much all this stuff costs to really do. Mm-hmm. So, there's a way that I do it, and I do it that way because that's the only way it works, and it's the only way I could afford to do it. Yeah. You know, so everything on that side, it has to be business oriented. I wish I could just be, if I could truly be who I am, you would have two or three songs a week. (laughs) Amazing. You know, like I kind of maybe was born in the wrong era of things. If I would have been born in the Bob Dylan folk music era, Van Morrison, those guys, it would be totally acceptable to be insanely prolific yeah because things were just different then you know the way that music was just distributed and you know there wasn't fucking five million bands to compete with and all that you know you could just write and write and and also back then you know like i come from a family of musicians so my dad comes from 
you know, of those earlier years, pioneer of music. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, man, like, I probably wouldn't even have been a band. I probably would have been writing everybody's shit. Mm. You know, like you know, back and in, doing session music. Well, my dad and stuff said like that. that most, most yeah. artists, they didn't write their songs. They weren't even allowed to. Mm-hmm. There was always a writer for them. So that might have been my, my role had, in, had I been born in the 1950s. Or so, the 1940s or whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, which was first, Haunt or Beastmaker? Beastmaker was far. It was like the first real time in my life where I put the keys into my own hand. Up until that, like I'm, I was relatively unknown until Beastmaker, outside of the local music world, because I would play in other people's bands. Mm-hmm. And just be a contributor. I was writing stuff. I'd be writing riffs, and I'd come with ideas and stuff. And if they had, you know, bands were stuck on ideas, I'd always chime in and be like, hey, I got something, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, I got kind of tired of all the failures. And that's why I kind of decided that it was time for me to sit in the front seat and maybe start singing and be the front man and just... You know, even though at the time it was uncomfortable for me, not not being frontman or being a center stage, singing and playing guitar. At oh the same my time. god, the hardest fucking thing in the world, right? <laughs> yeah, at first, I do it a little first, bit, and yeah, it's still hard for me. I mean, I practice it like religiously. So yeah. I mean, for me now, it's like I, I have a whole different approach when it comes to practicing singing and playing. Now I could do it way differently than I had in the past. So. I've figured out a little way to, to get to cheat through it, but at first it was very, very intimidating. Yeah. Very, very intimidating because I'd only done backup singing, mm-hmm. and you know, so you don't have to really worry about remembering all the fucking words, you right. know, like <laughs> so on and so forth. There's like all these new responsibilities that come with being the singer, and I just wasn't really mentally prepared for that in my younger years man i always thought like i'm just gonna be the guitar player yada 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 always played luckily for me for some reason i always played multiple instruments Mm -hmm. like in bands i was like open for whatever was available i did drum in a couple bands and i hated it oh really why so i did not like yeah i just don't think like lugging that much gear around setting up (laughs) was for me right on (laughs) so I became a studio drummer. I would like play the drums to my own shit, mm-hmm. and that's how I got good. Okay, you know that that really helped me, you know, in the light of haunt. But yeah, man, that's being a prolific dude has, like I said, it has its plus sides and its downsides, and that's just who I guess I become. I, I get that a lot, so mm-hmm. that's why I could just speak so freely on the subject at this point in time. Because if you look up any of my interviews it's usually brought up at least <laughs> once because it is a little unusual yeah sure well i mean even beastmaker has a fairly extensive catalog and now it, oh massive yeah so as we sort of just wrap up that part you'd mentioned that that beastmaker you kind of felt like you were getting pigeonholed as a doom artist a little yeah. bit there yeah and so oh yeah so hot was maybe a way for you to sort of spread your wings so to speak a little bit and do some it, different it, things it allowed me the first things I told myself about when I started doing Haunt was that I was going to write whatever I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to let 
genre or press or people get in the way of my artistic vision anymore, even if it was too poppy or if it was too something, I was going to do it. Whereas Beast Maker, I just felt like in doom metal, there's only so many ways you could go. Mm -hmm. And I really love the genre, to be honest with you. There's some really amazing doom albums, and I've always loved doom metal. Yeah, same. I've uh, got a lot of bands I dig. It seems, though, that, like, even with Beastmaker for me, it kind of started getting, like, I was like, yeah, I I don't got anything new to bring to the table with it at all. You know, I just felt kind of creatively numb. And then I tried doing a couple different things that didn't seem to really fit the mold. I did a couple EPs. I did this EP called Body and Soul, which is one of my favorite Beastmaker records, to be honest. And then I tried one with more like a haunt Beastmaker hybrid that I did after I did Luminous Eyes. It's called Eye of the Storm. And like at the time, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do two bands. So I tried at first as my best friend's the drummer of Beastmaker. I wanted that to kind of stick. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really work out. And sadly, so like Beastmaker kind of just went on a hiatus for a little bit. I mean, we just played our first show in five years, like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But even then, even then, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't have the love for it as I do for Hawk. Wow. So it didn't, didn't because even I know, going back to it five years later, it didn't sort of scratch the itch the way mm-hmm. that Hawk does. No, not even close. In fact, it like furthered my dive into what Haunt really means to me. And I feel like, you know, as an artist, you're always trying to figure out what it is that you do and what you want to be known for. And I think I got, I found that and that's Haunt. There's no, there's nothing else because again, I feel like I can kind of do whatever I want. Like Mm -hmm. we have a single coming out that has like a full on flamenco guitar riff and then it goes (laughs) into the heavy metal shit. That's awesome. And I would never have been able to do that in Beastmaker. Sure. It would have never worked. (laughs) So, you know, but like I said, like with Doom, I feel like there is a statute of limitation. (laughs) You know, like you can only go so far with it before it's just like now you're not doom metal all you have to do is write a song that's like 15 beats per minute too fast like literally and now (laughs) what now what are you yeah you're not doom anymore you know so it's kind of a weird genre in that light you know because of what the vibe is and i love it for that i mean like i said like some of the best metal records i really love candle mass epicus dumicus metallicus it's it's so great. great you know I don't think I'll ever tire of that record, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, records. Like, you know, I really love Pentagram, like, Last Days Here compilation thing. Whatever that is. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> it's like a, they tried to do a record with the dude that was the producer, Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. And, like, Bobby LeBling, like, drove him mad. But <laughs> they recorded stuff. And that's what you hear, you know, like, Forever My Queen. Mm-hmm. I think that dude, it was the dude that doing Blue Oyster Cult in the 70s, I believe. Was that a he did their Sandy Perlman, that guy? Yeah, I think so, man. Huh, okay. I think so. Go go look it up. I will look that up, yeah, I absolutely. Think Bob, I think it's in the Last Days Here documentary. 
right. that's why I learned about it. That's funny you just brought that up. So. I was just listening to Fire of Unknown Origin like yesterday. Oh, fuck. I love Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> One of my favorite bands ever, man. I, me and my buddy were just talking about the other day if they would come out and do a fucking secret treaties tour, how insane that would be, you know, play some of the stuff that they don't ever play. Yeah, totally. You know, like, that'd be pretty sick. But, yeah, so I got kind of pigeonholed and, you know, in, in, in my own self, it wasn't that somebody did it to me. It was just I did that. Yeah, I didn't know you, how to. You felt to... like you had a, a certain expectation for that band concept that you were trying to fulfill. I yeah, totally and, get that. And also, like I said, I tried to, like, circumvent and do a couple different things that didn't seem to be as popular within it. Mm-hmm. And that let me know real quick that the light was haunt. And I knew it. Like, when I did Luminous Eyes, it caught on so fast. It trumped Beastmaker in two weeks. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, like, all, like hugely. Like, I was more popular within that two weeks of Haunt than two years of Beastmaker, really. What caught my attention immediately about Luminous Eyes was that I listened to a lot of bands that it seems like everything is heavier and more brutal. And it sort of gets away mm-hmm. from melody. And Luminous Eyes was so melodic and so catchy. And it was like a breath of fresh air for me because it reminded me of like, you know, those early Dio sides and stuff like that where, yeah, yeah it's kind of crunchy, but it's also, there's always a great melody going on. And that, that is what I'm really, Haunt reminded I, me of. I really, love, I really love the new wave of British heavy metal, and that's probably my big, big influence. And, and some of it even and it went into Beastmaker, like Witchfinder General, mm-hmm. which I feel is like... Yeah borderline doom at times oh sure yeah, i mean there's you know, proto doom um, i guess I, you'd call it but yeah absolutely i would kill to have that sound you know like <laughs> at, at that time i was like man these fucking guys are so sick and so it was always something that was on the back of my mind and like and at the early beast maker shows i wore a death penalty shirt like all the time <laughs> like i right always on. had I, you know, and then, like, also, you know, I've always been very well known to wear an Angel Witch shirt. <laughs> you know, it's like, you look at a picture of me as the 90% chance it's an Angel Witch shirt. I'm a huge Kevin Hayburn fan and his vocal stylings. And I think the British metal vocal stylings, not particularly Priest, which I know a lot of people don't consider them new wave of British heavy metal, but they kind of they kind of are to me. They kind of fit in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, they do. I know that they came out much earlier, but there's similarities in their stuff, especially the early stuff. You know. But what about and like a band like Saxon? One, That's a band I would think of. I love, I like, love Saxon. Yeah, I love Power Warrior, and the Glory. That the, album. The, yeah. Oh yeah. So, the, but the thing is, is like for me, it was kind of more. It was always a lot more geared towards Diamond Head. Oh yeah. Witchfinder sure. General. Satan, who is one of my favorite bands, they're doing better albums now than they were in the '80s, which is crazy. <laughs> um, and you know, an Angel Witch, I really love those bands, and I really gravitated to their their style of stuff. And you know, like I said, I, it's, there's a little bit of that and a little bit of everything that I've liked over my, the course of my life. I never li- really wanted to put a "this is it, this is all I'm going to do" style and. And a lot of bands do that, man. And it, it, it kind of, to me, like, some just, they have such a good sound, like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But then there's some where you're just like, well, 
all right, you're not even trying to do anything that you didn't already do 50 times on your last record or try to even, you know, write a little bit different paces, you know, so that's, but I think that's something more about me becoming older, you know. Mm-hmm. I care a little bit more about it now than I would have back in the day. Well, I, I think that's one you of the reasons more. why like hot shit appeals to me so much is I grew up on Maiden and Scorpions and Judas Priest and like that mid eighties chunk of time when every album that was hitting yeah. was killer. And a lot of the stuff that you I, do sort of harkens back to that and seems to take a, a note yeah, of that, but I, also I, modernizing it. So that's badass. Yeah. That's, I was going to say with what I do, I've never really looked at it as like complete throwback because it would just be too false in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. like I don't want to be, I don't want to be cheesy, you know what I mean? By just completely mimicking something that's already been done. And honestly, like within the new way of a traditional heavy metal scene, that's already starting to like peek its nose out a little bit too Mm -hmm. much for me. You know, like I said, I've always been kind of like an underground dude. And like when things kind of start getting a little bit too hot, I'm always like, eh, I'm going to be the first one that's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> shit, is, I'm out. shit is ready to die. <laughs> right. Well, not saying I'm out, but it's like it's like the swan song's coming because it's like yeah. now there's going to be 100 bands every week and there's going to be some really bad ones that make it almost not tolerable. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been kind of hearing that a little bit lately, not saying that it's a bad thing, but I've always thought you should have some originality to your stuff, you know, like make it, make it familiar if you want, make it your own though, in some way, make it, make it you. So like when it's put on, it's it's like, oh, that's that band. Not like, who's this? Sounds familiar. You know, it's like. I was just actually thinking about all the Iron Maiden riffs, you know, as you start to like grow as a musician over years and years and you read reviews and we have a record coming out in March called Dreamers and it'll be like my eighth record and, you know, it's like an interesting thing as I, as I've gone on, on my path, I've had some people wanting me to do one thing. Some people want me to do another thing, right? And I'm like, and I'm sitting here going, well, <laughs> that's never ha- going to happen because you obviously don't know Trevor Church. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> right. You know, that's if that's sure. not obvious by now. You know, I don't really play by the general guidelines of what, you know, like I'll put two albums out in a year. I'll fucking do yeah. three if I have it, you know, and it's, I don't care. Like, it's like, I'm not going to live forever and I'm yeah. not going to be as inspired. You can only be inspired for so long or something. I feel like that's when you really got to strike. But, you know, I was thinking about what some people say and I just go, Iron Maiden has been doing the same fucking chord progression <laughs> their entire career. Yes, that's accurate. Like, it, and, These are great progressions, they, but yes, they're very, they're, they're very some, much it's, formulaic. It's, it's very formulaic, and like people don't harp on them that hard. Like I've never been able to be that guy that is like it's it's formulaic, but I have like nine formulas. <laughs> you know, yeah. like 
If you want, like, four on the floor, I got you. You want a D beat, thrash beat, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, but the one thing that, like, is very consistent in what I do is the voice, you mm-hmm. know? It's me singing, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, always going to have that sound. Like, that's just who I am. But when it comes to uh, song types, I, I feel like I can kind of go across many different genres it's just never been all heavy metal i'm heavy metal influenced you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying sure. like i'm heavy metal for life i like guitar solos i like technicality and so with that you know like i've taken other parts of music that has that's influenced me over the years and really just kind of like tried to make it all into one Trevor like you know like hey don't ever let a genre hold you back Volkner never uses weapons says he doesn't need him he says using his bare arms is the best and he's probably right nobody's beaten him yet
right, once again, that was Golden Arm from Haunt 2023 Church Recordings. Let's shift gears a little bit. Last episode, we always, like I mentioned to you, we always do what pisses us off. And one of the things that we always support independent musicians here on the show. Like, we, I go see a lot of gigs. Yeah. Uh, we always try to play a lot of music from independent acts. And these things have been happening lately that I've seen you speak on a little bit that I've found alarming. So, number one, Spotify reportedly planning oh, to God. pay less in royalties to less <laughs> po- popular artists. Man. And then also uh, yeah. what's been going on with Bandcamp which 90% of the time when I am telling our listeners on the Bonebat show to go out and find out about this artist, I'm pointing them to a band camp. So I know how super important that is. So I wanted to talk to you about the challenges that independent artists are seeing these days. And one of the questions my co-host asks is, okay, so if, if Spotify... You don't recommend Spotify because it's not good for independent artists. What other venues are out there? So I'd like to ask you from your point of view, the challenges and what maybe some of the solutions are for fans of independent music. So first off, Spotify is fucking horrible. I am not a fan of it. I do not use it. If I do, um, I have from time to time listened to podcasts on there in the past, Mm -hmm. but have found better places to listen to podcasts. You'll be you glad know? to know that the Bone Bass uh, show is not on Spotify, my friend. <laughs> well, I don't care about the See, the thing is, the, the big problem is there's nobody looking out for musicians. There's no union. There's no guild helping us create laws or just anything to protect us from these gigantic corporations that are now going to tell you that if you don't reach your thousand song threshold, yeah. you don't get paid. Spotify is not formatted for full album listening. So yeah. if you really think about guys like me, that's a heavy metal rocker and heavy metal rocker guys out there, not saying that everybody doesn't do this, but the grand majority listen to playlists mm-hmm. or have some sort of playlist. That's Spotify's big thing. And when you fucking put out a record, you're like, oh, we've got to get it playlisted. I hate it. Fuck that. I fucking hate it. I've really been very vocal about what my thoughts are. Now, so on a heavy metal record, song eight is not going to get nearly as much love as song one. Yeah. On that type of format. True. So say song one has fucking 35,000 screens, right? You go to song eight, there's 500. Yeah. Is so it a lesser that's song? Not meeting the thousand, Probably not. Maybe thousand stream threshold to it get a payoff. It doesn't on. meet it. Yeah. Yes. So it doesn't, it doesn't get there. It's totally fucking thievery. There's thousands of artists yeah. that are going to be lumped into that. Not, if not millions. Right. You know? The Super counter to that band. that I've seen, I, I'm sure you're aware of Matt Bacon. On Instagram, who does Bacon's bits? Yeah, I don't. I, I, mm. Who he is? Anyway, mm. but his, his so his mm-hmm. thing was, this is what he said that this money isn't getting paid out to these artists anyway. It's being held in escrow by people like CD Baby, and they don't ever have to pay that out because it doesn't meet the threshold. So since the lower tier artists aren't getting paid anyway, that money might as well be divvied up to bigger artists. Now my thought of that is, well, it wasn't your art that drove that demand so 
you don't deserve that money. Fuck that guy. First off, I don't like him. But um, <laughs> let's just right go. Let's just say I don't. I don't. I would not listen to his advice if you fucking if it came to me on a gold platter at this point in time in my existence. Okay. And I don't care if he fucking knows that. He knows I'm not a fan of his. I'm not a fan of his business model at all. So I've actually tried it, and it was the worst ever. Wow. Ever. Okay. So, yeah, waste of money. Don't fucking ever use that guy. I fucking think his shit is, is a scam to me. But let, let's put it this way. This has not happened yet. Mm, so okay. how does he know any analytics of it? And there is a huge area that hasn't been paid out. It's mechanical royalties. There's a newer company in America now that's covering mechanicals and collecting them. Okay. Oh, really? So CD okay. Baby and DistroKid and like ASCAP and those ones, ASCAP, BMI, they handle songwriter and publishing royalties mm-hmm. specifically. They do not cover mechanicals. So that's the performance? So yeah, it is sitting. Mecha- just for the listeners uh, so they yeah. understand. Mechanicals, yeah. that would be There's the actual, the per- that specific performance of that song. Yeah, it's essentially, yes. So it's a small portion, but if you think again, you know, in the vast thousands of bands, it's a lot. And it's generally not collected. And CD Baby is not collecting it. ASCAP is not collecting it. So it's sitting with whomever, Spotify. Google, it's just sitting there in, in, in their shit. But there is a company out now collecting in the United States. There, there already has been for years in Europe companies handling that. But um, now there's a newer one that's out that's really targeting streaming companies to pay their mechanicals out. But that's just one small piece of a fucking massive problem. Imagine a world... I talked to my cousin... My, my, I have a cousin... Jesse, she's a great artist. She's a photographer. Mm-hmm. She has, she does like wedding stuff. She's very successful, awesome. We were talking about music, and I was like, "What would your life be without music?" And she'd be like, "Fucking awful." She's like, "It's the first thing I do when I get in my car." Yeah. And she goes, "People that don't get in their car and don't listen to music, I don't trust them." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I was like, hell yeah, you know." But we're we're a fucking music musical family, so yeah. it's no surprise that that's like her thinking well we're coming to a time where fans are really starting to understand the severity of what is happening to musicians we are grossly treated by corporate and music business people we have no control oh you want people to listen to your band well 0.003 cents is what you get spotify has never reported a profit They pay Daniel Ek $2 billion a year, their CEO. Okay? So they're basically politician, corporation, whatever you want it to be. They lose money by the the corporate way. You spend it all. Yeah. You know? There is no profit. So how do you pay a CEO $2 billion? His job is the easiest fucking job in the world. You just got to make sure there's enough storage and enough fucking bandwidth to stream the shit. Yeah. And then you got people paying for it on top of that. Yeah. So it's like, it, it, it's very interesting how this all works. So if, whatever Matt Bacon said about them, why does it matter that let the bigger labels have it? Fuck the bigger labels, because guess yeah. what they don't do? 
they don't take care of their bands anymore. Yeah, that's right. Here's fucking 15 grand, and you got to recoup that, and we're going to press 2,000 records, and that's it. The rest is streaming, and we don't give you any of that. That's your fucking typical album deal these days. Yeah. Unless you're fucking huge, and then you call the shots a little bit more. But how many people start huge? It's very rare. Yeah. You know, you got to, again, cut your teeth. You got to cut your teeth on it. But Bandcamp, now, there's been a lot of controversy lately because everybody's like, oh, the corporations are fucking it up. Well, I've been with Bandcamp for a long time, and I've been... DIY independent even through the record labels that I've been a part involved with Mm -hmm. for a very long time I've always been like I'm doing stuff on Bandcamp it's mine you can't have it that's my way and it's a place where fans know to go to support you directly yeah they don't you don't get paid for streaming on there which is interesting but I look at it like this somebody told me just recently they spend $700 a month on advertising on Instagram. Wow. I felt that it was a lot of money. That seems like a lot, yeah. I was like, wow, okay. And this is somebody I'm very close to, and I know they would never tell me anything that wasn't true because they were telling me how they built up their business. Mm-hmm. And they're not a musician, mind you, so a little bit different scenario. Okay. But they're in the arts. I look at Bandcamp streaming for free, as somebody walking a new fan to your fucking store's front door and being like, here, this is where this band lives. Yeah, okay. They could buy a shirt, they could buy a patch, or whatever. I I would rather be given away knowing that I know who that fan is now or if they followed me. You know, basically you get your own personalized emailing list there. Yeah. You could post and 8,000 people are really going to have it in their email as opposed to you putting on Instagram. And if you didn't pay $700 for ads, nobody's going to fucking see it. That's absolutely right, Trevor. As a matter of fact, I got the email about Golden Arm and I pre-ordered it so that I would have, you know, the CD when I got it. When uh, you posted that uh, you had uh, Frozen in Time t-shirts that were left over from the concert. I picked up the Raglan uh, baseball shirt. Because I Hell thought yeah. it was fucking cool. Fuck yeah. So, so yeah, I, I totally buy into that concept of giving a venue for artists to speak directly to their fans and show them what they have available and letting the fans support them on their own terms. I think that's a fantastic way to do it. I'm, let, my, let, I'm just hoping that them being bought out yeah, and let, cutting let, the editorial staff, let, yeah, that does that make that. it? I have insight because okay. since I have been a phenomenal seller on there they know who i am they get a lot of money from me per year and i will say this they were a corporation from day one Mm -hmm. there's been a corporation involved since the forming of Bandcamp. okay right they had a mission statement fucking epic games came in and fucked everybody's taxes up so any any musician that actually makes money on there mm-hmm. had to get revised 1099Ks because it looked like you you made that you could buy a Ferrari. <laughs> oh shit! You know, like it was a fucking mess. Okay, they made a huge mess of accounting, huh. so bad. 
So God knows, nobody ever nobody ever talked about it. I was all up on him. I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, because, you know, I'm fucking self, I'm a sole propriety dude. Like, <laughs> you know, right. I know what comes in. Like, all I have to do is look at my bank account and I go, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, like, as soon as you see, you know, PayPal, who actually pays you from Bandcamp, they send you one, and then bank and Bandcamp never used to send 1099. It was always just PayPal. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting two. You're getting one from Epic, and you're getting one from PayPal, and they're the same. So you got double the income that year. So they really fucked up, and I think there was a lot more to it than just that. I think if you go back, there used to not be Bandcamp dailies. There used to not be a lot of editorial stuff. And I know that most of the people have probably mm. got fired were editorial. So, so that was a newer because it's a pretty that was a newer thing. The editorial yeah. and okay, that was I, I don't think newer. I realized that. Was, that, that. Was, it, it really wasn't like a huge thing till Epic came in. You didn't have like all of a sudden now I had somebody that like was working in the department. They're like, oh, we're head of your department now of this, and like, well, let me know if you need anything. Years before that was ne- you couldn't even if you were not a customer, like complaining, you would not be able to get in touch with support from Bandcamp. <laughs> Their support for artists is horrendous. Oh wow! Okay, there, it's basically non-existent. But it's always okay? been that way. That but isn't for, something that has turned but, bad yes, since Epic it bought is. them. But guess what? They've never had. It's never been an issue. They've always paid. Okay, it's always your 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 analytics are fucking just to a T everything you sold every paypal transaction every revenue share is all listed in a csv file so you could look at that motherfucker all day and be like <laughs> well this is worth the 10 percent because you're gonna pay an accountant way more to do all that kind of work mm-hmm. you know it's it's pretty thick you know so they they really when they did the when they launched it when they launched their platform it was already made for the artist to succeed without having to do a lot of the shit that you would never be able to do on your own. So Epic fucked up because Bandcamp is one of the few corporations in the music business that report profit. They've been reporting a profit since for basically since its inception. Interesting. So, and has that know, been the case Spotify, since Epic bought them, or there hasn't been an annual return? I don't know. Since I don't know what Epic. I, they, okay. It was so it was so brief with Epic. I don't know what happened. They were only with Epic for a year, yeah. maybe a year and a half. So they they managed to botch the whole thing up real quickly, and they shouldn't have really, honestly. That kind of company shouldn't have really gotten involved in music since their video game company needed to stay in the music world. Hmm. And I looked into Song Trader, and what they do could really help some people if their songs are, you know, very marketable because they do like licensings. So I have a feeling that they're going to incorporate some ways to make added money for, for some, you know, that have the kind of music that could be licensed on, say, a, a popular viral video or some shit. Mm-hmm. You know, these things. They're going to be able to fucking really take some control and and monetize that. But anyway, I've talked to the person that's, you know, working on my account. And um, they have basically told me, without a doubt, Bandcamp Friday stay. Okay. Because that was one of my big things. I'm like, what about Bandcamp Friday? This has been the sole life force of artists for three 
fucking years. Yeah, sure has. And they're like, they're like, it's staying. And they are believers. Song Trader is not going to get rid of that. And then the second thing, I was just like, you know, as long as the mission statement remains that, you know, this this platform is here for musicians to thrive. Mm-hmm. And not for a corporation to thrive. You can't fucking take this away from musicians. It's such an important part of the community. At this point, I don't think there's a better platform. I always wonder why they never fucking took their mobile app to the next level. Mm-hmm. Because realistically, it's free, right? You stream for free. Yeah. You don't have to pay a subscription. And if you own it, guess what? You don't even need internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, yeah. You don't need the internet to listen to your songs. You don't have to like have some buffering shit. You know, you're driving to the middle of fucking Colorado nowhere land, and all of a sudden you can't listen to anything. I, I mean, I'm not like like claiming to be the oldest school of the oldest school, but I'm still ripping CDs onto a computer and putting on on the iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting here. it on my phone. Yeah, I still. I get uh, your I, CD. It goes into iTunes or it goes into iPod. Some way I can listen to it on the go. Great, yeah, sure. It's one of the best ways. It's, you know, honestly, it sounds better than everything. I could tell the difference immediately. I could put a song that I've, you know, ripped to my computer and then put it onto my music library yeah. um, and then onto my phone. I hear a difference between any streaming service and that. Like, it's huge. Yeah. To me, anyways, to my ears. It doesn't matter to others. I've, I've started to realize that production only means something to very few. Yeah, if you can have the ears that can handle Critic. it. I've listened to too many rock shows. I think for my uh, ears to really be able to tell the difference between like 320 and <laughs> yeah, that 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 is that's always going to be questionable. Like, but I prefer that. I like 320. I think mm. 320 is great. Um, for you're going to hear that more in a good stereo. You know what I mean? Your cheap stereo is not going to. You know, your speaker is all, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. You ain't got a good speaker, you ain't listening to it right, you know? And, like, right. most people are hearing it on their phones now anyway. So it's like, or, you know, like, it's so weird how people judge stuff nowadays. It's a completely different realm. But Bandcamp, yeah, I think, is the future of it all And still, you think it's here to stay. It's, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, I don't that makes me feel... Better about things, the state of things here's, as far as independent here's music. Why. Here's why, though. Bandcamp reports a profit, and when you're a profitable corporation, in even you know, even in the light of what's happening, them fucking getting juggled around, I guarantee you that fucking Bandcamp makes more money than Song Trader, who reported some profit, but not in the light of Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. So they just bought their meal ticket. They need to honor it and do it right. And if they do it right, they're they're good to go. Well, I so absolutely so hope good, that man. what you're saying is true because, uh, you know, I, I think so that's super so important. I've been, yeah. some, I've been getting some payments now that they're they have a different name, Bandcamp Ventures LLC. Um, mm. The new, so they're they're paying everybody out. Everything's the same as it was. Before, you know, I'm like, as long as they're, as long as they're fucking paying the, the band, there ain't nothing to really say. You know what I mean? Like, who's going to complain about that? There's going to be some new platforms being launched. I've already been in touch with some people that are, that are doing something similar. And it's going to be very, very competitive here in the future. Mm-hmm. These like artist to consumer fan, whatever you want to put that fucking business lingo together. I, I just consider everybody a fan. 
you know, um, it's going to get competitive because there's going to be places like, guess what? This is a heavy metal platform yeah. for heavy metal artists. And we, our fees like 0.3% or some shit, you know, yeah. they're going to take a small cut because you know what? Like, it doesn't really take, like, I feel like Bandcamp in its early days, they probably had like 50 employees for the longest time. And that's why you never can get a hold of them mm. because they were like, no, I'm a software engineer. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't answer customer service questions, you know, shit like that. And it it really only is going to take a few people to be able to run something so simple because it's really just a website. Yeah. Well, and it you makes know? sense to me that it would go the way you've seen sort of streaming video fragment where you have a lot of places doing exclusives. Like you've got Hulu yeah. and you've got you know, yeah, oh, Paramount yeah, Plus yeah. and you've got Apple TV and you've got all these places. Yeah. It would make sense if there started to be streaming music services that cater to metal or to ska or whatever the fuck. Yeah, and in that light, yeah, definitely, because there can only just be one. Everybody's going to take a good idea and run and try to yeah. make it theirs in some way. I feel like with those, with that though, like with the video streaming, it goes more into the lines of these big corporations. You know, Disney, HBO, right? They're looking mm. at shit like Netflix. They've been giving Netflix a "How's Your Father" for years, <laughs> and now they're like, now that now they're like, nah. We are done giving you a house, your father, and now we're going to do our own thing. You know, like, we, you know, we don't need you anymore. People are now, this is the status quo, like a subscription. And people are willing to pay it. Honestly, I do too. You know, like, I don't have cable TV anymore. Mm -hmm. So I have, like, you know, Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Amazon Prime. Yeah, you know, yada, yada, yada. Go down the line of them. And I don't really mind it that much. They're pretty fucking cheap for what it's worth. I mean, you and I are old, and we were, you were talking about going to the movies and shit. Yeah. Shit, going to the movies now is like $35. Yeah, you know? sure. It's like, it ain't fucking cheap anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's like, me, I'm like, this is a small price to pay for entertainment. And that's what's been wrong in the world of music is that people don't really... Yeah. It's they didn't associate a value to music in the same way. Maybe they, even post-Napster, yeah, right? it's not not treated fairly and like it's taking a really long time for people to turn it around and I think people are and it's great that people are because there's just not a lot of artists speaking out against it yeah, that's sure. really the problem Snoop Dogg said some shit recently and it got some light what did he say he's like I got fucking 10 million fucking views on you know this shit and I ain't ever seen a fucking penny if you Snoop Dogg's not making money and, yeah <laughs> he's the well, guy I who, mean, one, theoretically, he's got enough streams, right? He should be getting some of that pool. Yeah. I don't know. One million streams is three grand. So, of course, he, he probably got it, but didn't even really, like, he probably makes more money off of his song being played in the fucking credits of a movie yeah, than sure. that. So, you know, shit like that, where he's probably like, oh, I didn't even get any money, you know, because, like, three grand to him is fuck he spends that on the, his weed a day <laughs> or he's right. sober now i don't know i don't know his thing but but i'm just saying like he, he made a very very valid point that like three grand ain't nothing yeah. for a million fucking streams and especially in an era where we can never lo no longer have platinum records gold records that shit is gone yeah. you know so and i'm just an underground diy dude i'm fine with it i could be like ian mckay any day i look up to people like him mm -hmm. do your own thing and enjoy it 
You don't have to be corp. You don't have to go with a fucking label or do anything of that nature. If you have the work ethic and you love it, because then it's not a job. It's a lifestyle, you know? Sure. It's something that you do because you care. See, it's really, to me, it's not about the money. It's about the principle of it. It's like, this shit costs money to do. We shouldn't feel bad for wanting to get paid for it, you know? Absolutely. We shouldn't feel bad because, oh, it's been free for fucking, you know, all these years on the internet. And now, you know, we want to be taken care of. It's because how hard is it to fucking work a fucking 40-hour work week and then come home and try to have band practice when you're fucking burned out, you know? And yeah. then, then you get old, yeah. you know? It's like, it's it's impossible. Touring so, on the weekends, you know, yeah. I've figured out a way. I mean, I figured out a way to navigate it. It was something that took almost a decade to craft, and I'm still crafting it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but there's a way to do these things and there's expectations you should set for yourself there's goals you need to set for yourself you got to work for yourself if you're going to have a record label do it you're probably going to work a job unless you've gotten some success and then you know i've talked to some bands that are bigger now and they're like man like we struggled for fucking 10 years 15 years you know and now Mm -hmm. we're just starting to get going you know what i mean like That, that's kind of what it might take these days. You might have to be really in it for the long haul to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Yeah. Or vice versa. You know, you might have a fucking gold mine in the beginning and then just fade into oblivion because you couldn't <laughs> keep it up. Yeah. There's so many ways that it could go. The way that I've always approached things is you got to love what you do. You got to have, you have to respect it. You have to treat it kindly. You have to water it. You have to nurture it. You can't just let it sit there. Like, that's why when people go, you put out too much. I, I get some motherfuckers to tell me I put out too much. But I'm like, nah, man. I'm nurturing my songwriting. Yeah, I, never, I never get that shit. Like, that and the other the other critique. The album's too long. What What does that yeah. mean? What, the, the artist that's had more to say. One, but, yeah, I, I never understand yeah. that. I, I'm not I'm not big on long fucking anything, but I will say this. I will always say that the person that does it, it's it's their decision. Like yeah. you don't have to like it. Absolutely. It's, but that's what they want to do and if that's what their vision was, that's how they need to do it. Because if you're not true to your vision, then you defeated the purpose of your art, you know. Like yeah. you gotta do it for yourself. Right and on. for me, it's like, yeah, maybe I've wrote this style song again, but I'm trying to write it better. You know, I'm trying to write the best version of this song I could ever write, you know, and then I'll move away from it. You know, those, these things happen. I've been playing music my whole life. I played so many different styles, so many different genres. I played in bands with so many different types of musicians, types of people. And the only person that I really know is myself. You know, like I know what I like, but try to get fucking three other dudes to like it sometimes could be very challenging. (laughs) Sure. It's not... It's not as easy as you think, you know, especially if you didn't, like, it's not a high school garage band, you know, like you're in your fucking 30s and you're like, I got to put a band together. It's like trying, you know, find a a wife at a bar, you know, like that's the kind of, like, (laughs) scenario you're in. It's haunt. Yeah. (laughs) That's why you do that. Seriously. Right on. So it's kind of a crazy thing to think on in the the light of things, like what your goals are and where, where you're at. And band camp is a good place for somebody to create goals and to create like a business model and have their own business you know have something that you could have yourself tangible you could look at it you could see it you have you have the power to grow it 
so I don't think it's going anywhere because, like I said, a profitable corporation is very important in corporate America. Well, you, gl- you report a profit, your business is good. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I find that really heartening to hear, you know, somebody say that who is yeah. intricately tied into the independent artist so business tied. model. So, yeah, I, thank I'm you so for, for laying that camp. out for I, I, both me and our listeners. I really appreciate that. Well, listen, uh, one before we wrap up, one other yeah. thing I want to mention to you. Uh, recently, I've been a fan of the writer Martin Popov forever. Well, all oh, the way yeah. back to the first yeah. versions of the Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal. And then I just saw that he wrote a biography about your dad, Bill the Electric Church, which you're publishing through yeah. church recording. So why don't you talk a little bit about the book? Yeah. Yeah. So Martin, more or less, like, I hired him. So he didn't technically write it. Oh, okay. But we love Martin. We love what Martin You know, you does, mentioned so Witchfinder General. I learned about Witchfinder General from fucking Martin Popov. Yeah. yeah. Martin is, Martin is like, the coolest dude ever like as far as a writer goes you know like there's there was nobody else on the planet that was going to do my dad's book in my mind (laughs) so you know so we hired him to do it which is totally like awesome we love martin for it dude and you know honestly he did us right you know what i mean like he did a great job he's already so well educated in montrose and sammy hagar that you know it was like the perfect yeah, and you know, just to give a little background Sammy. to our listeners, uh, Bill Church played bass on the first Montrose album, correct? Yeah, his career spans from Van Morrison to Montrose to the so Sammy Hagar Sammy Hager, Hager, band. Uh, he did the bass line on I Can't Drive 55. That blows my mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this like guy, some has, of the most... he's all over modern music. He's all over. Yeah, he's, he's a pioneer of heavy metal. That's Plain fantastic. Like, Montrose is actually considered the first American heavy metal band. Right on. Time. So, and, and I would say my dad had been doing it before that. And in the book, it'll speak about some of the, you know, the way that, you know, the, like, I told my dad, I'm about to get real blunt. I told him, you can't have a book like Sammy Hagar. I fucking hated Sammy's book. Oh, really? It okay. was all trash. It was all trash talk talking shit about Eddie Van Halen, talking shit about his ex-wife, and then just filled with, like, really just bad taste, in my opinion. I just really, I felt like I was reading a soap opera, and when I wanted to read about the life of a, of a singer-songwriter dude that slept on a dirt floor that made, you know, some of it's good. I'm not gonna, I mean, like, Sammy's such a good speaker, like, mm-hmm. I feel like his book just sucked, though. Like, he fucked it up. Like, he should have just talked it and put it on a cassette tape because he's, he's much more personable in that way. And I think on the, in the book, he comes off as a fucking asshole, to be honest. Like, I don't like it. I just was like, when he started talking shit on the Van Halen brothers, I was like, bro, they fucking took you to the next level. Yeah, Have yeah, some sure. fucking respect, you know? Like, <laughs> fuck, no wonder why they hate you, you know? Here's a fucking great example. Go read his book. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Real quickly. And not that many people read anymore. So it's like you have to go fucking, you know, dig through it and do some sh- do some dirt, you know, and, and have to like Sammy as well because he's kind of has a weird career in his own life. But I told my dad, you know, Martin is very well known for putting out really great musical books. Yes. About music, you know, not about soap opera. I feel like everybody knows that your era of music, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. 
but there's a different story that nobody ever tells. They don't tell of like time in the studio of like how they did this, yeah, how you did how that. that music you know? happened. Exactly. Exactly. There's there's something that had to spark it. What did you get what were you guys doing? Like how did Monstros really begin? You know what I mean? How did that even fucking happen? Because let's put it this way, it's very hard to be in the shadow of Sammy. You know, mm-hmm. you think about all the guys that he's played with and the only dude that is bigger than him is Eddie. Yeah. Everybody else is lower on the totem pole that he's played with. And he's had great musicians. My dad had a platinum record before he even met Sammy Hagar. Really? You know? Okay. Yeah. He had, I mean, he played a Van Morrison, Tupelo yeah. Honey. I mean, right Van Morrison is at that time. I mean, like, fuck, dude, Dan was on fire. Like, he was one of the biggest musicians in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, people pay back then. They were paying a hundred dollars a ticket to see his ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he didn't play. He played Carnegie Hall and shit like that. He didn't play like you. You, you ain't gonna catch him dead in some fucking rinky dink club. You know? Okay. So my dad was already doing stuff, and so was Ronnie. Ronnie played. Ronnie Montrose played on the Tupelo Honey record too. And him and my dad were great friends. And there's good stuff in the book about him and Ronnie because it's like, super weird, their their side. But, I mean, Sammy only talks about he's a narcissist. I've been to his studio, and there's more paintings of himself in it that made me feel like I, I feel like I'm very uncomfortable in the studio. Oh, very, weird, huh? Very, very <laughs> stale place for me. I'm like, man, like, this is kind of whack. I don't fucking care about your paint. Like, where's all the cool rock and roll memorabilia? You know what I mean? Like, where's the cool shit? Where's the T-shirt? you wore on the three lock box tour, you know, something like that hanging on the wall, right? Like something legendary, not some fucking painting of yourself, like staring like everywhere you go, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, like it's just always just pictures of him. And as I, I'm like, dude, what about the fucking legend, fucking Eddie Van Halen that you played (laughs) with for fucking years? You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Totally. Anyway, to the point of it, like, I I knew Martin was the guy to bring out that, you know. He really brought out the musical part of the way he interviewed my dad and put the put the book together for us was really great. And also I love Martin because he's a very upfront, honest guy and when I had no idea about publishing a book. Are you fucking kidding me? Like that is so <laughs> out of my realm and he's published like know, what, 80 so, of them like yeah he's speaking of prolific he's been there <laughs> so he yeah he yeah. he's prolific like he's prolific in book writing how i'm prolific yes in music. very much you so. know he could fucking shit out a book on a wednesday <laughs> you know like he's fucking brilliant honestly we're so blessed to have martin his involvement you know and like he told me he's like he's like trev I'm going to tell you, because I was like, what do I do with this when I'm done, Martin? Like, we want you to do the book, but what what do I do? And he's like, look, he's like, I'm going to tell you right now, on the heavy metal writing or rock and roll world, getting a book written about a bass player is about fucking chances <laughs> are very slim. He gave it to me straight. Like, yeah. I needed that. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know what, what you know that is and he's like look he's like i and it's interesting because he knows haunt and everything you know like he told me he's like he's like i'm gonna be doing your book one day and i hope he does <laughs> i love know? him like great. honestly there would be nobody better to do my book than martin popoff he's, he's a family friend we love martin 
And, you know, it's interesting because he was just like, hey, you manufacture your own fucking vinyl. You could do your own book. He's like, hey, it ain't that fucking hard. And so I actually reached out to the place that does my vinyl because they obviously print album sleeves and shit. Oh, yeah, you know? sure. And inserts. And I was like, hey, do you guys do books? They're like, fuck yeah, we do books. <laughs> and then that was that. Wow. I was okay. like, perfect. Have One to stop go shopping, I don't right? even have to go outside of I was like, I don't even have to go outside my front door. I've already been working with you guys for fucking almost 10 years, and you're going to hold my hand through this? Great. So my dad's book is a tale from a dude that really worked hard to get where he got. And Martin really did a great job of putting that to light. And um, I couldn't be more proud of how the result. It took two years. This is the longest thing I've ever worked on in my life. Because we got Sammy to do a forward, and that mm-hmm. guy, my God, he wanted me to change. I mean, I, I should do interviews about this shit because it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. He wanted me, he wanted me to change some shit. Really? That was untrue. I actually fucking, I was like, I don't know, Sammy, because like one of the things that is completely omitted from the book is talks of money. There's not really any talks about money in this book, which is great because that's something that seems to be like everybody's little fucking thing in these books. I didn't, you know, there's some money thing that happens, right? That somebody gets burned or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I was like, dad, I think everybody already knows that the bass player got burned. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry, (laughs) but like, we we already know know this. This is given. You're, 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 you got burned. All right. Like we, we already know that's just the reality of your job. But um, Sammy wanted me to put some weird shit in there, man. So I had to go to some sources, you know, to appease Mr. Hagar so he would write a forward and give us the blessing. Because obviously, I mean, like, such a big part of my dad's career, you know. Honestly, in my mind, he probably would have been better off never meeting the guy and just doing mantras (laughs) and being like, fuck you. And, you know, going on, he probably would have done something way better because he had this band in the 60s that was fucking insanely great they should have been bigger than cream but they just they couldn't get it together but i there's there is a seven inch out there i have the only two in existence and there it's it's so much better than cream it's insane wow. and it's like from 1969 it's incredible so my dad was doing cooler shit than sammy was doing from day one i think i and i always thought sammy's songs are pretty mediocre and that's why the bass was always turned up loud my dad back in those days you know you go listen to the fucking chorus on red man holy fuck my dad had a way of really bringing out a sammy chorus that was like down 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 i wouldn't call that musical genius by any fucking mean but you go listen to the bass on that and my dad is flying over it like fucking lightning bolts that's why they called me electric that's awesome. He fucking brought three chords to life like nobody was doing in that time other than like dudes like Giza Butler, John Paul Jones, to name a few, you yeah. know, some really good players that I, in my mind, are good bass players. Gene Simmons, too. I, I, I'm a huge Kiss fan, so I'll, I'll, I'm always going to get Gene. I just across. saw them last week play their last show in Seattle. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking incredible. I, I had to miss them Took here my in daughter LA. for her first time to see Sick. Kiss, so. Yeah, it was it was I a mean, great time. One of the greatest bands of all time. But you know, it's funny because I saw my dad today. He's like, "How many books we sold?" And he's like, "Oh, I saw how many people give a shit about me." I'm like, "Dude, we just got started. This story has to be brought to life. We got some people that are starting to talk about it, and like, you got to do some interviews." I was like, you know, I was like, 
we, you know, it was like, we're not even on Amazon yet. Like, I'm working on that. Like, I hate, I do not want to deal with Amazon, but I'm going to do it for my dad. I mean, that's yeah. how much, how much devoted to my, to my dad I am, man. I'm going to be on fucking Amazon dealing with that kind of shit pretty soon <laughs> for him. But, you right. know, and, and, and we, we, we never, we never got into this, to this project for a financial thing. Mm. We wanted the story to be told to so my yeah. son. So my son could go back in time and he knew who his, his pappy was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And what his pappy did. Not like, I don't fucking know. I'm the only child and my dad's my best friend. You know how many times I heard these fucking stories in my life? I mean, I could, <laughs> I could tell you a better story than they fucking, than he did at this point, you know? I've heard it all, you know? And plus I curated the whole thing. I had to put together all the memorabilia and go through all the photos and shit that we had that were rare and when we got down to doing like a photo section of it you know to have like a good you know everybody has like a good photo thing yeah i had so many people send me pictures i couldn't remember anybody's fucking name and i was just <laughs> like we can't do it we need to put pictures in here that we don't even know who the fuck took them so we don't have to give any credit to anybody because like i can't remember who the fuck took this <laughs> you know i didn't organize it well yeah. i'm gonna be honest like well, that's your first been book done. man yeah Hey, there's got to yeah, be a learning curve yeah. with that, too. Sure. Hey, there's, there has to be a learning curve everywhere in that yeah. one. But just recently, somebody reviewed it, and they actually re were like, the fucking layout of this is amazing. So oh, nice. we, did, we did do some pictures in there, but we laid it out by chapter, and we did it really well. We gave it that, like, haunt pizzazz, some nice graphic design work around it that really makes the pictures look great it's a really great book and if anybody wants to get it it's right now it's only available at the hauntthenation.bandcamp.com store which is my my band store but like soon enough probably you know come january 2024 it'll be up there on amazon with all the other five million things that we buy on amazon daily so you know, just just for my old man, I gotta take, I gotta, I gotta fucking cut my teeth into that world of. They, that's a whole other thing. I looked at what it come, you have to do to become an Amazon seller, and I was like, oh god, I was yeah, like, this is the worst. It's, it's this works in Spotify. For, I have to deal yeah, with some of I don't that know shit in my day make... job, and it's it's brutal. So Amazon yeah. is like a casino. The odds are stacked yeah. towards the house, and they don't let you make money. That's kind of how that yeah, works. So I, the more I, books you again, can sell we, on uh, Bandcamp, I think uh, the better you will do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the, the thing is with that, that's to keep the book in, in circulation. Mm. Amazon's just a, for those the people that are honestly the old timers of my dad's era that don't understand, like, what the fuck. When they, like, I, I can't tell you <laughs> how many, like, camp? Yeah. his friends hit me up, <laughs> you know, hit me up like, I can't find it on there. And I'm like, there's a fucking gigantic tab that says merch. <laughs> the big like, yellow tab, dude. <laughs> it's like, how do you not fucking see that right, right there? It's like, boom. It's here you go. But but that's the way things are, man. Yeah. And again, like you you have to play the game and it's part of it's just part of society now and like yeah. I, I want my dad you know, he's he's getting to the end. He's actually been in the hospital for a little bit he's he had, oh no he had some, i'm sorry to hear that man he had a surgery he's okay that's the thing it's like it's like i'm i don't want to say it and, and make people think like oh my god you know but mm. he had to have his procedure done and he's gonna be fine and he's 78 dude yeah. i mean most dudes of his era they're dead <laughs> let's face it yeah dead all his best friends are pretty much gone you know i could name 20 rock stars that were his best friends 
that no longer are with us, you know? So anyway, that happened. So I definitely want to, you know, like the years are passing by. And this is about it for him. You know, this is song song. He doesn't believe in playing it. So I have asked him, like, do you want to go out and play? He's like, it's your turn. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm like, that's fine. I, I get know. it. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. I've already done it, man. He's like, what else am I going to do? He's like, Sammy doesn't even, he's not even on the level he was, you know? Yeah, sure. He's like, I'm going to go out there in my old age and lug a bass cab around. Fuck that. <laughs> you know, like, he's, like, I don't, he's like, yeah. I don't think I, yeah, he ain't picking that thing up, man. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all right. Get that out of the van and roll it shit. down some stairs so, to the basement club. I, yeah. I'm young enough. I'm young enough to where it's like it's very interesting his perception. He thinks that bands should retire and let the younger bands come forth. Yeah, not a lot of people feel that. He, way. He, yeah. he feels that way. Like he thinks that it, like all those dudes that are just fucking playing the same shit, and not doing new records, they need to fucking throw in the towel. <laughs> You know, they're not they're not doing any of the younger bands any good because, like, you know, it's like it's hard to emerge. You know, like yeah. I heard recently from somebody that like has the ends on some shit mm. that that band Greta Van Fleet that everybody is fucking jiving on yeah, the the Led Zeppelin uh, sounding band, yeah. Led Zeppelin band. Yeah. The, I mean, the rip off Led Zeppelin yeah. band that says they are not influenced by Led Zeppelin, <laughs> which I could slap <laughs> yeah, them did for they that. Say they did, they've like, never heard Led Zeppelin or something, and you're like, yeah. Right. Oh my god, the shit, the shit, <laughs> the shit those guys say is out of this world. But I heard from a very reliable source that their fucking dad is like the chicken king of Detroit, right? Oh, or really? like has okay. some conglomerate, right? Like he's has some money. And they, they threw, I guess, when they came onto the scene, like, threw 500 large onto the world in the pot to get them going. Any 500 grand can do for you. A lot. Yeah, sure. You know? <laughs> so to me, I'm like, those guys didn't make, they didn't do anything other than have fucking rich dad, you know, come in. That's the one good thing about me is we're poor. I come from the bass player. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like sure. we already know we already know my first car was a nineteen eighty eight Dodge Colt. I don't even know if anybody even knows what that is, bro. Like That's funny. I was I mean it was an it was an embarrassment to drive that thing around. I mean like if any like I had I had I lived a life like I I broke down on the side of the road, you know, yeah. I was broken down all the time. So it's like but that made me really you know, like I said, like, you know, it, it, it has to be in the heart. And when you really love what you do and strive to do cool shit, that's where it all comes down. And my dad's book is exactly that, man. It tells you the fucking chronicles of hard work. bro. Right on. Well, I can't wait to read it, man. Really looking forward to it. Yeah. So, so uh, cool. thank you so much. You've been super generous with your time. Uh, I promised you no worries, the last man. question. We always ask all of our guests. Yeah. On the Bone Bass Show. Trevor, what pisses you yeah. off, man? <laughs> well, I mean, I think we just covered <laughs> some, some, some Spotify for sure. But, you know, um, I, I really try to look at life with not really being angry. But the one thing that, like, I, I have been angered with is just the treatment of the musicians and not myself at all i speak for all musicians out there trying to do it what the music corporations 
are doing to music, you know, like even companies like Live Nation and things like that, Ticketmaster, down the line, just raping people of money. And I really hate to see that kind of shit, man. It pisses me off. I don't want to pay $500 to see somebody I can't. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's just fucking out of my league, man. Like, that's some serious shit. I want to know what everybody's doing to afford that. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> right. how do you fucking, how are you for it? What am I doing wrong? You know what I mean? I'm like, I got a brand new car and I can't afford that. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, sure. it's, I don't get it. So I really don't like stuff like that, man. I really, I hate radio doesn't allow new music. I don't like that. Like, you have to fucking always pay to play and then. The bands like Greta Van Fleet, where you throw 500k at it, and then you're a rock star of night, of course. Yeah. Or, or I'm gonna talk some more shit. Wolfgang, fucking Van Halen. He don't have to do shit. He's a fucking. He's he's got the best manager before he even fucking grabbed the guitar. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. And like, even if he is good, it doesn't matter. It's like he does. He doesn't have to do anything. He, they could throw money at it. Yeah. And when you could throw money at it, you know, that might be what's wrong with it all. You know, that might be what's wrong with it all. It's just there's just so much money in certain things that they don't want to lose it or something. You know, I couldn't really I can't really say because it's so deep and it does. It it, it angers me, man. Like I want I want my fellow musicians to be, you know, to get their fair share to be able to sell records. Like I, I hate that car companies are like getting rid of cd players yeah. you know the whole music business really kind of the business again you know again like most musicians will say is i hate fucking music business yeah you know it sucks it's like it's the part that really takes the life force out of it but it's necessary and it's good that i understand how to do my own you yeah, know like sure. i will say that that's like you know if you, you got to know how to play the game a little bit but social media has become less important to me by the day yeah. I'm just like, dude, you don't, nobody sees the shit. You know, you could go, you go look at somebody that you follow that has 800,000 followers, right? And then you go look at their post and it has 7,000 likes. Yeah. You know, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm, right. I'm like, again, it's like, I'm really out there shaking hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could, you could see me in real life. So come see me in real life and we can have a real... <laughs> well, I hope, a I hope real, you do. I real... hope you make it up to Seattle one of these days soon. I'd love to come yeah, catch your Yeah, you know, it's been, it's, it's been a couple years since we've been up there. And we are we are going to be up there in August of 2024. So oh, hopefully shit. I'll see you out there. Right on. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll buy you a beer, yeah. sir. Or a Coke. Whatever. I don't You're not drink. drinking, You're gonna so... Buy me a- Gonna, I'll buy you a burger or soda or, or something. Yeah, we'll make that work. <laughs> I don't eat. I don't eat meat either. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I'm like oh, the. Man. Yeah, I'm like the whole. I'm the whole. Um, it, it, I remember Sammy one time said this. I was, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave you with one more story. The, the Hagar. Okay. I saw him a couple years ago, and you know he's a big alcohol guy. That's how he's mm. made his most of his fortune. It's been through liquor. Yeah, he sells tequila, and, right? Um, he sells rum now. Anyway, I'm backstage. My dad is with me. And he goes, hey, Trev, let me make you a drink. And I go, I don't drink. And he goes, man, he's like, what, are you the religious faction of the church family or what? Like, because all my fucking family will have a drink. You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't even believe it, you know? So it's kind of funny, you know, because like, but really, like, it comes down to me 
you, for me to be able to do what I do and be on top of what I need to be doing for myself, I have to be 100% focused. I've actually, I used to be known for pretty much being a pretty heavy stoner and smoking weed all day. Mm -hmm. And even that now, I haven't smoked in four months right now. Wow. And okay. not because I quit. It was slowing me down in the studio because after I smoke a joint, I can't think. Yeah. Work's done. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I used to think about it. I'm going to smoke a joint. I'm just going to play drums. But now I'm noticing that where I'm behind the most on my songs is putting words to it. So it's mm. like, oh. But now that I've gone this far, I'm like, my fucking studio desk looks so good because there's not a pile of ashes and roaches everywhere <laughs> on it anymore. Right you know, or joint or joint rolling fucking leftovers, you know, so <laughs> it's kind of weird, you know, like, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not like super into any of that stuff. I'm really, honestly, I like my love is for the songwriting and craft. That's, that's my, my thing. And try to stay young 40, you know, yeah. 42 years old. I'm going to be 43 next year. You know, it's like, I want to always put on the same show I always have. You know, I don't ever want to be lesser because of, of lifestyle choices, you know? I want right to stay on. youthful. I want to stay Gene Simmons. And even he says in, the, <laughs> in a recent interview, you know, he don't drink. They don't get fucked up yeah. anymore. They don't do any of that. And it makes total sense. It's like, you can't. How you ain't going to survive it, you know? Like, you can when you're fucking 20. Yeah. But when you're 50 or 60 years old, shit, you can't fucking... That can't be your everyday you know, no, it could be your weekend not. if you're the weekend <laughs> warrior, sure. But you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when you're working, if you're you, unless you're a fucking <laughs> raging alcoholic, which I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation like we've been having right now if you're fucking getting tanked, you know. Yeah, uh, but absolutely not. It's just one of those things where it's just like you know, this is not part of the lifestyle at, at some choice, you know. Sure. And it, it's it's weird, but that's. It's funny that Sammy was like, what are you, the religious faction of your family? I just thought it was hilarious when he said that. I was like, yeah, I guess so, man. I guess I'm the one that has the, that realized that the drink you drink don't get you nowhere. Right on. All right, man. Well, uh, why don't you introduce right. this yes. next song? Burst in the Flame, it's kind of the song that is, I, a lot would say would be, you know, the pinnacle fucking haunt song and it really did put me on the map rolling stone loved it and it gave me a lot of clout in the beginning so i have a, a great respect for that song for that purpose so i think it's like always going to be an important part of my musical catalog so if y'all have heard it you know it and you'll dig it of course because that's how most people got into my band in the first place and those that <laughs> haven't this is what started it Obviously, there was Luminous Eyes, but Burst in the Flame really put me into trajectory and being like, all right, this is what I'm doing. Right on. All right, here it is, listeners. Burst into Flame by Haunt.
Once again, that was Burst Into Flame from Haunt 2018 on Church Recordings Records. Thanks again to Trevor for joining us on the show and for the excellent visit. Once again, you can find Haunt's work as well as the biography of Bill the Electric Church at hauntthenation.bandcamp.com. Gord, got any weird stuff this week? I do, in fact. I got another butt weird stuff from the weird planet of Tennessee, United States of America. Okay. Yes, it's that time of year, ladies and gentlemen, the holidays. And what could be more holiday-ish than the Tennessee man who was arrested for a DUI and meth while driving a lawnmower Santa train full of kids? What? That's right. That's a lot to unpack. There, I don't know what's there? more shocking to me that we're doing Santa stuff already before Thanksgiving or that a uh, meth addled train conductor would be allowed to transport children. Steve, this is the United States of America. We were doing 
Santa stuff before Halloween. <laughs> Time those for were Christmas spooky show. Santas, right? Those were not all spooky Santas, I'm, oh, okay. I'm afraid. No, it wasn't like Violent Night Santas. Ah, oh, what am I saying? A Tennessee man was arrested after he allegedly drove children while under the influence at a Christmas tractor parade on Saturday. I've never been to a Christmas tractor parade. I'm assuming it's like a monster truck rally, but with... It's more like an air show, but with tractors. Okay. On the ground. Yes. Yes. The incident unfolded in the small northern Tennessee town of Tazewell, which also sounds like the police force's logo. Uh, Not logo. God, I can't find anyone. It's a job, but it Tazewell. (laughs) (laughs) But um, bum Henry Meade was driving the Santa's train, a motorized lawnmower, pulling carts full of children when witnesses alleged that he was acting erratically. And not just acting erratically because he was driving a lawnmower full of children. No, he was reportedly unsteady on his feet and failed a field sobriety test. Oh, shit. When the police got involved, they found meth, narcotics, and a syringe with him when they took him into custody. Officials noted that Meade was not a town employee according to Mayor Mr. Bill Fannin and the police chief, Jeremy Myers. The Tazewell Police Department responded swiftly to the incident, ensuring the safety of event attendees. During the event, we had 14 police officers on foot for several thousand attendees. All was well. I'm afraid that our meth-driving, lawnmower-driving Santa will be spending a little bit of time in the Tennessee pokey. That is my weird stuff because I couldn't wrap my head around all the <laughs> moving parts to that story. That is a crazy story. You know, he used to know where he was going until he got on board. The drug train! <laughs> With a bunch of kids. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, when you're driving the Santa's choo-choo through Tennessee and you're on drugs. I feel anything. <laughs> just keep the kids out of it. Apologies to the cramps. Yeah, Yeah. that's nuts. That's super nuts, man. How do you find these stories? It amazes me. There's always one more. There's always one more. We do the show. There's always one more story of something fucking weird that happened in this great nation of ours. That's why I have this segment on our podcast. Try to do justice to this weird planet we live on. (laughs) In a place called Tazewell. Right on. Another tune? Another tune. All right. Why don't we go back uh, to an older cut? From The Mighty Haunt. This is uh, from 2017's Luminous Eyes EP, As Fire Burns.
Hey, this is Trevor William Church from Haunt, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show. All right, we are back uh, once again. That was Haunt with As Fire Burns from 2017's Luminous Eyes on Church Recordings. And you can find his work at hauntthenation.bandcamp.com. So, dude, uh, multimedia triage, what have you been digging on this week? Well, first of all, I need to apologize to our audience because last time we did a show, I mentioned a four-episode series on Netflix called Bodies. And it is not a four-episode series. <laughs> it is way more episodes than that, and I lied to you. And I've only watched four episodes because I've been watching this with my wife, and uh, her travels and my travels have taken us in opposite directions lately, so we're waiting to reconvene to finish out the series. Hey, four episodes in, it's still really good. <laughs> Not four episodes long. I'm a big liar, and you shouldn't believe a goddamn thing that I tell you. Yeah, I, I won't. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, really, the only new stuff I've been digging on, I finished out Gen V, great, uh, Lower Decks, super fun. I've been starting to watch Rick and Morty after that first not funny episode. The rest have been great. But the thing I want to talk about, The Killer, which I believe you watched as well. The Killer, I did see that. Okay, did you like it? I did. It was kind of a slow burn. I didn't hate it. I kind of thought, I don't know. There's some plot points that, uh, well, let's let's dig into it. Uh, so the killer is directed by uh, David Fincher, correct? That's right, Rabbit of Seven Fame, uh, and it's also starring Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender from such films as Inglorious Bastards and Prometheus and a bunch of other shit that he is in early and often, and uh, he plays this high end hitman who has a job go south on him. And uh, when he tries to return from the job, his home has been destroyed at the hands of the company he works for. And so he goes John Wick. He kind of does, yeah. No so dog. That's sort of the setup. So what did you think of it? I mean, that was the first half hour of the film right there. But um, I wouldn't spill any more. Yeah, I wouldn't spill any more either. I wouldn't have spilled that much. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was, as you said, a slow burn. It was... Uh, a building, quiet movie. What I absolutely loved, loved about it was the sound design, which I know you're already rolling your eyes. I can hear you rolling your eyes from here. But there's so much of this film that's quiet, but within the quiet, there's a lot going on sonically. So when you, when you watch this film, uh, headphones, good sound system, do something. It's not just listening to this guy monologue. Uh, <laughs> But there's a lot of this guy monologuing. Yeah, and on top I was okay this, with that. There's also a lot of the fucking Smiths. Do you know yeah. what I don't care much for? The fucking the, Smiths. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Specifically, Morrissey. My yeah, God. Yeah. How many, two hours of whiny bullshit music. <laughs> if you wanted two like, hours of whiny just, bullshit, just, just play Johnny Marr guitar lines. Take the Morrissey out of it. But no, he is constantly in his headphones. This character loves the Smiths, and the Smiths are almost exclusively in the soundtrack. Yeah, and by saying I like the sound design, I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of the soundtrack. Just want to point that right out. But even the way they did the uh, 
the Smiths. It was cool as he's you know putting on his headphone. You could hear it more out of the headphones. It's going into his ear. And anyway, yeah. Aside from the Smiths, I like the movie a lot. Also, not spoiling it, but there is one fight which is top notch, like Eastern promises in the bathroom kind of fight. Yeah, oh my it's, god, it's a brutal knockdown drag out. Yeah, not a big Super stylized intense. John yeah. Wick. You know, no, pretty, thing. pretty realistically Dang bludgeoning. God. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it, it's a good movie, but I give it like a seven out of ten. I it wasn't my favorite film of the year. I'd almost rather that Fincher spent this time making season three of Mindhunter, but it was absolutely watchable. I don't I don't know if I'd watch it again. Yeah, it, it was fun. I rarely watch movies yeah, it again. It but didn't I kick recently, all the ass like John Wick Four. I no, no, it's this. not a not a ass kicking John Wick movie. No, I did watch Scott Pilgrim, the original Scott Pilgrim film from you know forty yeah, years totally. ago or whatever that was. That movie holds up. That is so much fun. Yeah, I, I, I watch that like once a year. Probably, oh my god, because uh, my kids love it too. And I've owned it on disc, so every once in a while, somebody will throw it in and we'll watch it. It's it's delightful good time, yeah. Yeah. It's in the spirit of Baby Driver and um, uh, Shaun of the Dead. If you like those movies, you're, you're going to like this. And it, But unlike those, it's its own original weird, quirky thing. And I think everybody that was in that movie went on to become a, you know, totally big deal in the... Uh, yeah, in the, the world cast of entertainment. is kind of nuts. You couldn't make that movie now. You couldn't afford the cast. The music is great. Like this the sex music bomb is super band great. Is like sex this, bomb. Or yeah, sex bomb band is like they're not supposed to be anything other than a garage band, but the music's all pretty fun. I think a lot of the music was done by Beck. Oh yeah, and uh, Anamanaguchi yeah. did the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, the uh, the score. Yeah, so there's. A lot of cool people involved with that project. And, yeah, it's delightful. I hear that there's a... Is there a new Scott Pilgrim animated series coming? Yeah, that's why I think Netflix put Scott Pilgrim on. Because, Uh, um, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, the new series is on Netflix. Haven't watched it yet. Don't know. Hopefully it's good. Same cast. They brought everyone back. They, They got, like, everyone back. After I just said how you couldn't afford this because of the cast, I'm now... See, I told you, you can't believe a thing i say i'm a liar someone could afford it they you know, put them all they brought the band back together i bet i know what was behind that project during the pandemic they got like just about the entire cast together to do a read through of the script online and i saw hmm. it it was super fun and so i bet you they all had so much fun working together and they were all in contact i, I wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of the genesis of this new animated project and you could do a lot of that without being in the same studio as the other people. Of so course, yeah. COVID, yeah. Huh. Well, and plus, the original story's got so much video game and comic book stuff mixed into it. I think it, it would make a really good uh, transfer to animation. And there's it's one a, thing I noticed. from a graphic novel, so. It is from a graphic novel yeah. or a, a group of comic books. One thing I noticed about it, that movie exists in a really uh, unique point in time where people have cell phones and people are using pay phones people have cell phones and people are using their landline in their house it's that that one little moment that uh we went through (laughs) (laughs) seemed normal at the time 
All right, what about you, Steve? Let's see. Uh, Tell we, me you didn't go watch Killers of the Flower Moon. We Tell did. me you didn't we go did. destroy we went to a yourself. for three hours and 20 minutes. Oh, and, my God. And sat down and watched um, the latest Martin Scorsese film. Uh, it was fantastic. You know, it did not feel as long as its runtime. We both sat through the entire thing without having to make a run to the bathroom or anything along those lines. There were no emergencies. Okay, thank you for clearing that up. And, uh, uh, was it completely well acted, depressing? But, and but you... yeah, the the story is is kind of brutally sad. So it's about the Osage Indian Reservation back in the I want to say twenties, maybe they struck oil in Osage County, Oklahoma, and so the entire tribe was made mind-bogglingly rich. But the government in the area put such rails around how the Native Americans would get their money. So they would have to have like a white guidance counselor to tell them whether or not they could take money out of the bank. In the meantime, everybody in town is trying to rip them off. So a ham would cost like 300 bucks. So everybody is on the, the take in this town trying to take advantage of this tribe. So Leonardo DiCaprio plays this young soldier comes back from the war his uncle, played by Robert De Niro, is a big land cattle baron in the area and has his fingers in a lot of pies. And uh, DiCaprio moves back, gets a job, falls in love with a young Native American woman. They get married, and soon members of the tribe start to die, and the oil rights start to consolidate, and people get richer who aren't part of the tribe. So that's sort of the basis of the film. It's based on a true story, and it also links in with the formation of what would become the FBI investigating these murders in this county. Uh, Super well done, uh, done in a very interesting, stylistic way. Like, there are times where they sort of make references to, like, old-school vaudeville-type radio and things of that nature in telling the story. But uh, really well acted, really well done. Doesn't seem like three hours and 20 minutes, but it is a somber tale. It's not a laugh a minute if that's what you're looking for, but uh, definitely worth checking out. All right, then. Yeah, I shan't be checking it out, but (laughs) (laughs) glad glad you enjoyed it. I've enjoyed a couple of books lately, so uh, I got the latest finally. It took a while. I had forgotten to fill out my kickstarter survey so a note to all of you out there when oh you my get god your survey, you forgot to fill out your kickstarter your survey, survey from kickstarter for our project you should fill out the survey because it makes That's the like people your biggest pet peeve it makes fulfillment so much easier for the people running the kickstarter anyway Jeez. uh i forgot to fill out the survey for a skin crawl volume two from skinner now you know the artist skinner he does oh, yeah. just amazing black light looking crazy monsters and uh the first version of skin crawl was very cool it was kind of like a tales of the crypt sort of you know morality tales and fucked up shit that happens all very short and concise but this new one is like twice the size it's a 96 page issue he partnered with cody goodfellow to do uh, some of the writing on this they bring in a clark ashton smith story called the seven geezes which is fantastic. Uh, also, there's like a philosophical tale from Tichnot Han that is made into like this journey of a guy escaping his own personal shadow hell. It's fucking insane and cool. Wow. And 
I enjoyed this even more than the first volume. So uh, I'm hoping that there's a third volume. But uh, this was super cool. I got a t-shirt with it, I think, and a patch and some stickers. So it was a very cool thing to back on Kickstarter. So Super jazzed about that. Cool. The second thing that I got in the mail recently was uh, a local author and friend of the show, uh, co-host of the Strange Eons radio podcast, Kelly Young, has just released the first volume in a serialized horror novel called The Secret Language of Spiders. And uh, the first issue, uh, Welcome to Cobb's End, just came out. There's only 33 of each of these volumes. So I was able to get on the ground floor on this. Another reason why you want to kickstart things and things like that, because you often get really cool stuff you can't get anywhere else. In this case, uh, he was selling it from the Strange Eons Radio website, but uh, I got the first volume, and then I'm going to get an invoice, and the next volume will be shipping at the end of November. I believe it's called A Smile at Midnight. So what I loved about the story, uh, it has that sort of reminiscent, small-town, sort of Stephen King vibe to it, but there's also a very modern twist to it. Uh, it takes place post-COVID. It takes place in Washington, so there's mentions of Seattle and Spokane and other local areas. Uh, it's the tale of this uh, local pastor who the town's been having a tough time post-COVID. It's kind of winding down, and uh, there's a lot of homelessness, which is, you know, an issue that we are often facing here in the Seattle area. And uh, his wife has been sick for several months from a spider bite and just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And all of a sudden, things change. <gasps> so, this is going to be put out next year in a compiled volume. And uh, so far, I'm really loving it. So, uh, well done, K.L. Young, on the first volume. The end of the first volume it ends on a great scare. Loved it. And uh, can't read more of The Secret Language of Spiders. Well, I like the title, that's for sure. You know, if, if this whole thing ends up, the, the language of spiders is actually French. You know, it's really going to be <laughs> Kelly, really God sad. damn it. <laughs> oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> it's kind of like the end of it. There's this giant galactic spider, but it's wearing a beret and yes. smoking a cigarette on one of those long holders. <laughs> uh -huh. Bonjour. Oh, you Bonjour. have found me out here in... Tillman's depths, where I've been hiding these years. Ha <laughs> ha! Bread? <laughs> All Let's we hope. have here for you is pain. Pain to chocolate. Pain to chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that was for Julie. All right, uh, that's about all I've got this episode. How about you? That's all I got, man. All right, well, why don't we check out one last tune and uh, get moving? Okay. All right, uh, this one is taken from 2022's Beautiful Distraction from Haunt on Church Recordings. This is Hearts on Fire.
All right, once again, that was Hearts on Fire by Haunt, taken from Beautiful Distraction 2022 Church Recordings. You can find Haunt's work once more at hauntthenation.bandcamp.com. Thank yous. I would like to thank Trevor William Church for joining us on the show and sharing Haunt's amazing music with us. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. There's new content on bonehand.com. Every once in a while, it's also the home of the Heavy Half Hour. And you can find my stuff at mightywombat.com. You can follow Bonehand on X. Uh, we also have a Bonebat X feed where you can find out uh, information about the film festival and the kickstarter campaign as it continues uh we also have a facebook group where we have sweet deals on video games shorts from filmmakers we dig new albums by bands we featured on the show all kinds of cool shit so follow us there as well thank yeah, you for check listening. Us out over there thank you for listening if you like what we do please spread the word and tell a friend again the kickstarter campaign is now live for the 2024 Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Festival on April 13th, 2024 at SIF Cinema Egyptian. This is your opportunity to get the cheapest possible tickets and swag, so pledge now at Kickstarter. You'll find a link on the Bonebat page. One yeah. more tune? One more tune. Alright, uh, this is from Haunt from 2020's Frozen Mind. I hope you dig it. Light the beacon. Once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
Get out of here. Beg your pardon. You have a lovely home. Terribly sorry. Call me. We'll have lunch. Can we keep this between us? I'd hate to lose my teaching job. <laughs> 